1: G Marshall. I want to tell you a love story of the future. Yes, we have loved in the past, we love today, and we will love a thousand years from now. This is a strange love story. But think of it this way. A caveman pulling his lady by the hair into his cave could never understand what gentlemen do with their ladies today. And our ladies and gentlemen of today may have trouble understanding how they will treat each other tomorrow. Let's find out. You be the judge whether this is a love story. Dr. Goland, I don't know anything about science. But I hear your specialty is monkeying around with life. My dear, Mr. Fork, and I've received the highest awards for my discoveries and techniques in genetic biology... manipulation, molecular biology. Sure, sure. But could you make a girl. What? Make a girl? That's it. Make a girl. Make a girl who died ten years ago. Could you make an exact duplicate of a dead girl? mystery drama One Girl in a Million was written especially for the Mystery Theater by Alfred Bester and stars Michael Tolan. it is sponsored in part by Sign Off the Sinus Medicines and Buick Motor Division I'll be back shortly with Act One to the man who bought the Skyhawk, to the girl in the century. We're glad you like your Buick, glad you set your spirit free. And to the
2: family from Ohio, to the folks of in St. Hall. Nice to see you join nice to see you all. There I was with my new Buick Skylark, and there he was, just coming out of the store with a new coffee table. I liked your coffee table, I said. I was going to buy one just like it. Thank you, he said. I like your Buick Skylark, too. I was going to buy one just like it. Thank you, I answered. Then he suggested, listen, you like my coffee table and I like your Skylark. Why don't you get married? What can I say? I guess it was love at first, Buick. It's nice to see you join us, but glad it seems to be. Nice to see you join us, like a spirit dream. Buick.
1: Dedicated to the free spirit in just about everyone. Let me put you in the picture of a thousand years from now. Take everything you read about international finance, cartels, monopolies, and multiply them by 1,000 planets. You have a business galaxy of incredible complexity, and the business decisions that must be made by company presidents are very difficult. Gentlemen, Dr. Goland has presented Bruxton Biotics with a problem. He's developed a new technique for molding plastic biotics, which can cut our costs by 13% in a highly competitive market, but... We'll have to retool, reorganize, and give up three months of production while we're regrouping. Is the cost saving worth the expense? I have 50 traffic engineers and cost accountants on our staff, and none of them can find the answer on their slide rules. So, we'll have to hire John Clark. Yeah, John Clark. One of the most remarkable men of our time. Why? Because old Johnny can make decisions with a capital D. It's a complex world these days. But Johnny Clark can make big D decisions. And the odds are 9 out of 10 will be right. You ask any corporation president what he'd pay for that kind of guarantee. The fee, Mr. Bruxton, will be 100000 plus 1% of the common stock of Bruxton Biotics. Good Lord. It is our standard fee. One percent of it. the, the guarantee that John Clark's decision has nine chances out of ten of being correct. Of course, but... How ma- often are your decisions correct, Mr. Bruxton? <laughs> Any corporate president is lucky if he's right half the time these days. Which is why John Clark is retained so often. You're John Clark's business manager, Mr. Fisher? I am. You speak for him? Always. Well, we have a complex problem here at Bruxton. Our consultant, Dr. E.T.A. Goland... Has made a brilliant discovery. It's a novel technique for molding protoplasm on the DNA level, and we must... I am wasting my time. The problem must be presented to John Clark himself. Now, do you wish to retain him on these stated terms? Yes, yes, I do. Uh, We will have all the data ready for him when he arrives. When will that be? Let me see. Uh, I have our decision scheduled here. (laughs) Yes, we uh, have one open date for the uh, last of next year. Next year? That's 18 months from now. That's the only open date? But this is urgent. They are all urgent. We can't wait a year and a half. Uh, Mr. Broxton, John Clark is scheduled for three decisions a week throughout the entire business world. He is booked solid for the next 18 months. And all the clients say the same thing. Urgent, urgent. But our case Mr. is... Mr. Broxton, the... here is the list of our appointments. I suggest you look through it. If you know any of our clients or feel you may have clout with any of them, I suggest you try to coax, bully, bribe them into exchanging dates with you. As of now, you're booked for the last of next year. And we will hold you to it. Uh, XK109 to Greta San Domingo. Uh, Greta, this is Bruxton calling, and you owe me. I'm collecting. I backed your paper, remember? Now, you damn well better back me or else everybody's going to know what went on between us in the Orion cluster. I need John Clock real quick. I've got a late date and you've got an early. I want to swap with you and no argument. XK107 to Logistics, Inc. Bruxton here. On that joint venture we discussed last month, we got nowhere. The hang-up was the differential between real-time and event time which would drop Bruxton Common a point on the exchange. All right, I'll concede it, but I want something in return. It'll cost us, but we can make it up if you'll exchange your session with John Clark for mine. Aldous Fisher, to Bruxton Bionics. Your message tells me you have managed to exchange appointments. Information acknowledged. Your appointment with John Clark is now the first of next month. I will make final arrangements with you on the last of this week. My appointment must be kept. We leave this planet on the afternoon of that day for our next contract, and very special arrangements must be made for John Clark. I think I've got your plant layout, Bruxton, pretty well in mind. Now, uh, how many on your security staff? No, no more than two dozen, Mr. Fisher. Oh, not nearly enough. We use 10-hour cells for John Clark alone. Good heavens. Now, look, I want your security staked at every entry leading onto the main floor. Strict orders. No one exits or enters without my approval. Mm. But why? Our security staff will cover every move Clark makes. Alert your people. You make it sound like we would want to assassinate John Clark. think what you like. Our staff will wear the John Clark O.D. badge. Tell the people that their orders are to be obeyed. Without question. Well, this is fantastic, but I'll give the word. All right, and this is most important. I'd say you have some uh, 1,800 working in your plant? 1,937. Any of them named Kruger? Uh, Kruger? Kruger. K-R-U-G-E-R. Oh, Fisher, I don't know all their names. I'm only the president. I don't expect you to, but personnel named Kruger cannot be here. Any personnel named Kruger cannot be here. You heard me. No one named Kruger may be inside the Bruxton Biotic Plant while John Clock is making his decision. Fisher, I can't understand I'll put what... it another way. John Clock must never meet any man named Kruger. Why? I wish I knew. So came the great day. And Bruxton Biotics was wondering, who's this John Clark who earns $15 million a year and owns 1% of a 1,000 planets? What's he look like? How does he act? Came 11 in the morning. John Clark's personal security force arrived. They checked everything. They gave orders. This had to be closed. That had to be locked. And so on. The orders were obeyed. No one argued with John Clark. Bruxton Biotics held its breath and waited for him noon and a jet gunned in out of the sky and landed in front of the main gate. The hatch of the jet slid open. Two rough, tough guards stepped out and cased the scene carefully. Croc's security chief signaled okay. Out of the jet came some real pretty secretaries, then a kind of thin clerk with papers and tapes clutched in his hands, looking tired and overworked. After him came a tall man who looked and walked and acted like a sort of kindly king You could love him and trust him, and it was a pleasure to have 1% of yourself owned by him. Only when old man Bruxton jumped up to greet him in his office, it was the beat-out, overworked clerk who said, Excuse the deceit, Mr. Bruxton. I'm John Clark. You're John Clark? Yes, Mr. Bruxton. The other man's only a decoy. You know, an image for the media and the public. I I think I understand. May we get down to business? Where's your data? Oh, here, Mr. Clark, on my desk. Mm, Thank you. Would you mind if I used your desk? Oh, not at all, sir. Will you please? Take my desk, by all means. You're very kind, thank you. Now, let's have a look at the Bruxton problem. I see. Very interesting notes, Miss Simpson. Ready, Mr. Clark. The maximum truncation error of the interpolate F from neglecting each order of difference is less than 0.5 in the unit of the n figure of the tabular function.
2: Notice, Mr. Clock.
1: Uh, give me the replacement value of delta.
2: If delta squared is replaced by delta equals 0.184, the corresponding limit for delta to the fourth power is raised to 1,000.
1: Raised to 1,000?
2: Yes, Mr. Clock.
1: Hmm, that complicates the decision because round the interpolating factor B to four decimals, the required value is the tabular value opposite the interval in which B lies. <laughs> Mr. Bruxton, I've absorbed your data. My congratulations to your Dr. Goland. He's made a most brilliant discovery. Then you've decided that Bruxton Biotics should use it? I don't know yet. Now I must visit your plant. This is the plant, of course, but why? To get the feel of your personnel in the hmm. Bruxton. That's a significant factor involved in many decisions. I must know how they'll react to a program change. Yes, yes, I understand. Then may we have a tour? This gentleman will be John Clock, and I, of course, will be his clerk, introducing your people to him. You won't give the secret away. Oh, no, 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 certainly not. Well, then, let's absorb the final nuance involved in the decision. This is Lanny Herman, Mr. Clark, a biomechanic who loves a job and would love to meet you. And uh, this is Dan Falk, a color-matrician who thinks that color is the answer to everything and wants your opinion. And this, Mr. Clark is one of Dr. E.T.A. Golan's protégés. He's a medical student, and he wants you to tell him whether to give up medicine for pure research here at Bruxton. Ah, and this charming lady, uh, what's your name, love? Wants your thumbprint in her autograph album. Mr. Clark. I'll give him time. He's absorbing. But Fisher... I'll, I'll get... give him time. You'll hear the decision when it comes. Well, can I talk to him? you have paid for it. Yes. Yeah. Mr. Clark, yes or no? Hmm. Yes. Back, Golem's discovery. Your profit margin will drop to zero in the first year, but you'll outstrip the competition by 9% in the next. However... You may have to fight patent litigation. I suggest a raise in salary for your staff to keep them loyal to you in court. Thank you, Mr. Clark. You give me more than I bargained for. I'm the chairman of the Migration Authority, you know, and if I can return the favor by helping your itinerary in any way... Are we finished, elder Finished, John. Then thank you and goodbye, Mr. Broxton. No, no, I'll see you out, Mr. Clark. I'm honored. Oh, thank you, but I'm not. John Clark anymore. I'm just the bookkeeper introducing your people to the great man Fisher insists that we maintain the image. Mr. Clark, this is Pete Fine who wants your vibes on his tape recorder. Now, don't hold Mr. Clark up, folks. He's got to get into the chopper. Uh, oh, and this is Daisy Scrim with her wire flaps, and she wants to know if you've got a favorite profile. <laughs> Please. Folks, Mr. Clark has got to get off the planet this afternoon. Uh, and this is, uh, uh, what's your name, sir? Uh, Mr. Clark likes to know people's names. Yes.
2: What?
1: What? Kruger? Kruger? Kruger, you murdering! I've been waiting for this! I've been hunting you for 10 years time stood still the body crumpled the clock staff leaped into action they piled John clock into the helicopter which took off and disappeared the security men quietly vanished. Only Aldous Fisher remained alongside the body in the center of a horrified crowd. The fool, Fisher said savagely. We warned him. We warned all the Krugers. All right. Call the police. I shall be back shortly. was John Clark's sixth murder in six years. And it cost exactly one million to fix. The other five had cost the same. Half the amount went to the family of the murdered man. Half went to a man desperate enough to substitute for the killer. There were six of them languishing in various penitentiaries and asylums enduring penal punishment or psychiatric torture. Their bank accounts or their loved ones, half a million richer. I used the word desperate. So was Aldous Fisher as he consulted with the John Clock staff in the Hotel Corse Blondide, en route to the next planetary contract. Six killings in six years, Miss Simpson. They can't keep it quiet much longer. Sooner or later, somebody's going to put it all together and ask why John Clock always hires crazy clerks the matter with him anyway, Mr. Fish? Oh, no, Simpson. He's got a Kruger fixation. He meets a man named Kruger, any man named Kruger, he screams, he curses, he kills. Don't ask me why. Something buried his past. Hmm. A woman
2: named Kruger? Oh, never. Always a man. Have you ever asked him?
1: How can I? It's like an epileptic fit. He never knows it's happened. You'll see. When he wakes up, he'll come in here as innocent as a baby. Take him to a psychoanalyst. I'll tell the question. Why? You're new on the staff, Ms. Simpson. You don't understand. All right, Mr. Fisher. Make me understand. I'll do it with an analogy. Back in the 20th century, people played cards with 52 cards in the deck. Those were simple times. Now, mm, what about that? But today, everything's more complex. We're playing with 5,200 cards in the deck. So, what's the moral? A mind can figure 52 cards. It can make decisions on that total. I had it easy in the old days. But no mind is big enough to figure 5,200. No mind except clocks. They've got computers. And they're perfect when only cards are involved. But when you have to figure 5,200 card players, too. Their likes, dislikes, motives, ambitions, so on. What clock calls the nuances. Then clock can do what a computer can't do. He's unique. The psychoanalysis might destroy that. How? Huh. Because it's an unconscious process in Clark. He doesn't know how, why he does it. If he did his big D decisions, would be 100% correct. It's an unconscious process, and for all we know, it may be linked up with the same insanity that makes him murder Krugers. If we get rid of one, we may destroy the other. We can't take the chance. Well, then what do we do? Protect our property. Never forget that for a minute. I've put in too much work on John Clock to let it be destroyed. We protect our property.
2: Hmm. You know what, Mr. Fisher? I think he needs a friend. Why? Well, he could find out what's bothering him without destroying anything. People talk to their friends. Mr. Clock might talk.
1: We're his friends. No, Mr. We're his associates. You're a shrewd girl, Simpson. Has he talked to you? No. Any of the other girls?
2: No, none of us. He's looking for something he never finds. That's all we know.
1: All right. We'll have to hire him a friend, and I'll have to ease off the contract schedule to give the friend a chance to make Clark talk. From now on, we cut the program to one decision a week. Mr. Fisher at cutting five million a year. It's got to be done. Let's cut back now or take a total loss later. We're rich enough to stand it. Yes? Oh, yes. What are you going to do for a friend? I said we'll hire one. We'll hire the best and give him a proposition he can't refuse. There ain't no such animal. Oh, yes, there is. The friendliest guy in the world. And he's the kind that can never resist the challenge. I'll hook him in on the clock problem, and I'll get him. Who? Get on the telefax. Tell him to locate Frankie Falcon and put him through. Urgent.
2: Fatal Frankie Falcon. Oh, my food.
1: <laughs> You dig,
2: huh? Eh? Oh, I saw him fight Longo Jordan. I've seen all his films, and... well, oh, you just can't help loving that hunk, even when he's beating somebody's brains out. Yes, and he's <laughs> twice
1: as fatal with women. I'll give him a challenge and a contract he can't resist. He'll be Clark's friend. As soon as John Clark meets him, he'll... Meet who, Elders? Have a nice sleep, John? Very nice. Very nice. Whom am I going to meet? A man almost as famous as you are. Oh? Am I supposed to be famous? An all-out heavyweight champion named Frankie Falcon. He us for an introduction to you, and I can't hold him off much longer. Frankie Falcon? Famous? I never heard of him. sure he never heard of me. Why should he? Sports were not his thing. Of course, I knew about him. He was real famous. But I got a surprise when I met him. Johnny and I took to each other right off. It was like a flash friendship. And I said to Fisher, No, it really is like friends with us. I gotta admit, you hooked me with a brand new challenge. And the contract? Now, I just went along with that because it's the only way you feel comfortable. I don't like to make people uncomfortable. You know I don't need the money. The IRS does. Interplanetary revenue takes 70%. They can't take any more. No, I don't need the money. And old Johnny needs me. Somebody's got to try and straighten the poor kid out. Kids At his age? Age has got nothing to do with it. Anybody in trouble, I feel like it's my kid. Well, it sounds like you think he needs a father. What's the difference? Look, Fisher, I've torn up your check. You tear up the contract. I'm going to straighten out old Johnny on my own because he's a friend. John Clark Associates zigzagged from planet to planet. Johnny and I enjoyed ourselves while his decoy gave interviews and posed for pictures. We went off often as not hitting the night spots and having a ball, especially on planets where a night lasts 20 hours. But I found out something funny, and I told Fisher in private. I don't know how close you've been watching, Johnny, but if you think he's been sleeping every night safe in his little trundle, you better switch notions. How's that? Old Johnny, he has been sneaking out nights when you thought he was getting his brain rest. The devil. How do you know? By his reputation. They know him everywhere. They know old Johnny and every bistro from here to Orion. And they know him in the worst way. By name? By nickname. Wasteland, they call him. Wasteland? Uh-huh, Mr. Devastation. He runs through women like a prairie fire. You don't know this? No. How? Well, like we go into a club. Johnny cases a joint, table by table, looking over the women. Looking for a type that interests him. Huh? Yeah. If there's a show, he cases the chorus. Looking for a type. The same? Yep. And if he locates one... Now, wait he... a minute, wait a minute. Always the same type? Yep. A girl with jet hair and inky eyes and very white skin. And then the trouble starts. What trouble? He moves in on the girl and makes a pass that any cop would call assault with intent to kill clock? Ah, no, that's impossible. I'm sorry, Fisher, he does. Me, I've been around, but I'm scared by it. I never saw such a hasty man. And so violent. What happens? Nothing. That's the crazy part. Absolutely nothing. That's why you get no complaints from the cops. But the women... Well, some girls fight, others want to give in. But Johnny's never satisfied. He leaves him cold. He pays up like a gent out of his own pocket and moves on. He could have almost any woman agreeable if he'd slow down a little, but he can't. He's driven. By what? I don't know. It's like he's working against time. After Johnny and I were real close friends, he let me come along with him on a crazy treasure hunt. Every time we hit a new planet, he'd go to the Bureau of Vital Statistics, which has got everybody computerized. he bribed the chief clerk and give him specifications. Height 5'6", weight 110, hair black, eyes black, bust 34, waist 26, hips 36, size 8. Now, I want the name and address of every girl over 21 who fits these specifications. I'll pay you 100 per name. I tell you, Fisher, that parade of tall, dark girls makes me dizzy. What happens? Same thing as in the club. He looks, he talks. And... Nothing. Always nothing. What's he after? Well, I got it figured out this much. He's looking for a special, particular girl. And nobody comes up to his specifications. A girl named Kruger? I don't know if the Kruger business comes into it. Is he hard to please? (laughs) Well, I'll tell you. Some of these girls, me, I'd call them sensational. But he don't pay any mind to them. He just looks and moves on. Others, real crows, practically. He jumps. What is it? I think it's a kind of test. Something to make the girls react hard and natural-like. It ain't passion with Johnny. It's a cold-blooded trick so we can watch him. What's he looking for? I don't know yet, but I'm going to find out. I got a little trap I'm going to spring at the fight arena tonight. A trap that may give us some answers. I got all the arrangements set up. I'm taking a chance of getting myself killed. But old Johnny's worth it. I think it's ugly, Frank. Right? Yeah, me too. You got to be pretty sick to like the sight of a couple of juiced-up gorillas tearing each other to pieces. Juice? Sure. You don't think those nice, peaceful animals would clobber each other like that naturally, do you? They shoot them with adrenaline hormones. Ooh, disgusting. I'm glad we left. <laughs> yeah. When I was champ, they offered me a fight once again, them, the poor animals. They promised to cut down the shots to make it easy for me. I told them... was Hey! Oh, fatal Frankie. Hey, don't you remember me? Well, I I guess I should, friend. I'm uh... Blooper Davis. Remember, we were raised in the old precinct. Don't you remember, Frankie? I was always queer for ice bloops, and that's how I got the name, remember? (laughs) Blooper. (laughs) Sure enough. Hey, Hey, it's been a long time since the old precinct. (laughs) Hey, wait a minute. It it was Blooper Davidoff then, wasn't it? Sure, sure. And you was Frankie Kruger then. What? We'd like to make our names commercial. Uh, Kruger? that's right, Johnny. I had to change my name for the fight game. Oh, you, you filthy murdering rat. I've been waiting for this. I've been waiting ten years. Frankie, you, you never told me there was... I'm all right, Cooper. Beat it, quick. I got it. Kruger. Kruger. All oh, right. All right, I'm Kruger, Mr. Clark. Kruger's the name. So what? What are you going to do about it? Kill her stupid killer, I'll rip you to pieces. Don't try to fight me, Mr. Clark. Mm -hmm. I got you pinned and outweighed and I'm a pro. Why me, Mr. Clark? Why Frankie Kruger? What did I ever do to you ten years ago? Falcon has John Clark pinned in the stadium corridor while Clark screams and struggles. Now Falcon goes and probes Clark until he gets the story of what happened ten years ago in hysterical outbursts. Then John Clark faints. We'll hear about that past in Act Three. Folk and slings the unconscious John Clock over his shoulder and carries him back to the hotel. There he puts him to bed and then goes out to report to Aldous Fisher and the Clock staff. He shows them the laser pistol with which Clock tried to murder him and describes the trap he'd set with the aid of Blooper Davis. He tells them about Clock's insane response and then goes on to explain the source. Of the insanity. Poor old Johnny was in love with a girl named Seema Morgan. And she was in love with him. It was big, romantic stuff. They were going to be married. And then Seema Morgan got killed by a guy named Kruger. Kruger. So that's the connection. How'd he kill her? This Kruger was a drunk think. He had a bad flying record. They took his license away, but that didn't make any difference to Kruger's kind of money. He bribed the dealer and bought a jet without a license.
2: Mm, but money can't
1: do. One day, he buzzed the school just for the hell of it. His jets blasted the roof and killed three kids and a teacher. This was back on Earth in a town called Berlin. Good Lord. They never got Kruger. He started planet hopping, and he's still loose. The family sends him money. The cops can't find him. Clock's gunning for him because the school teacher was his girl, Seema Morgan. How long ago was this? Near as I can figure from what Johnny poured out, uh... Ten years, eight months. And ten years ago, Clock first showed he could make decisions. big would decisions. Up to then, he was a nobody, just another computer programmer. And then came the event. Not
2: an event. A tragedy, Mr. Fisher. All right, then came the tragedy, and with it, the hysteria.
1: And the genius. Don't tell me that one didn't produce the other. Nobody can tell you anything, Fisher. All right, so he kills Kruger over and over again, right? Revenge, fixation. Well, what about the girls in the, the, the wasteland business? You ever hear the expression, one girl in a million? Oh, who hasn't? But if your girl was one in a million, that means there could be nine more like her in a city of ten million.
2: Oh, but that's just a figure of speech,
1: Frank. Sure, man. But old Johnny's working on that idea. He thinks he can find Sima Morgan's duplicate. Huh. He figures with a population of a thousand billion today... There's a chance of finding Seymour Morgan's duplicate if he just keeps on looking. He thinks the odds are in his favor. Oh, ridiculous. Not to Johnny. He's still in love. He's looking. Looking. We ought to do something to help him. No. We ought to coax him into believing some girl's the duplicate. We ought to make him fall in love again. No. Why no? Because the moment Clark finds his girl, he heals himself. He stops being the great John Clark, the decider. He turns back into a nobody. What he's does he not. care about being great? He wants to be happy. Everybody wants to be happy. Nobody is. Clock's no worse off many other man, But he's a lot richer. No. We maintain the status quo. Don't you mean you're a lot richer? We maintain the status quo. I think we'd better terminate our contract. We have no further use for your services. Fisher, we terminated when I tore up your check. You're talking to Johnny's friend now. I'm sorry, Falken, but Clark won't have much time for his friends from now on. I'm stepping up the schedule. You'll never pull it off. I'll see Johnny when and where I please. You want John to see the contract? It's still in my files. I never part with anything. Now, how long do you imagine he'll believe in your friendship after he sees the contract? Now, Falken, you'll see him when and where I please. It was a Mexican standoff. Clark Associates went into high-gear Big D decisions again. They knew now why the Krugers had to be protected. The man was sick and miserable. But that made no difference to Aldous Fisher. He thought it was a fair price for 1% of the world. Only, I had an idea. And I paid a visit to Dr. E.T.A. Goland at Bruxton Biotics. He's the genius who invented new techniques for molding life. But, yes, the most ingenious notion. You could duplicate the girl that died ten years ago? Oh, without any difficulty. She'd look the same, act the same, be the same? Up to 95%, plus or minus 0. .975. How would you go about it? Oh, complete psychological pattern of the girl in the Centaurus Master Files. They'll tell extra transcript upon formal application and payment of fees. Well, I'll pay it. So the modern embalming process, which... Uh, she is buried, yeah? uh-huh. which is ninety-eight percent perfect from remains and psychological pattern. I reconstruct body and psyche by my molding process. <laughs> I do it without any difficulty.
2: I she's coming down to the school.
1: was, uh, that was a while back, Miss Morgan.
2: You know me? Yes, ma'am. Oh, in, am I in a hospital? What
1: happened? I'm Frankie Fulton, Miss Morgan. A, a lot's happened, and I'll explain later. But first, I want you to look at me real hard and make up your mind whether you can trust me.
2: Yes, yes, I think I can trust you.
1: No matter what I say, you've got to trust me. No matter what I tell you, you do it.
2: But why?
1: For the sake of Johnny Clark.
2: What's happened to
1: him? What is? No, not to him, Miss Morgan. To you. But be patient. I'll explain. I, I had it in mind to explain now, but I, I can't. I best wait until tomorrow. Doctor Golden will put you to bed, and, and you get your rest. I'll see you tomorrow. She's asleep, Malcolm. Oh, thanks. She is in splendid condition of a beautiful, healthy creature. I'm, a, I'm very proud. Mm-hmm. You should be. You're, you're a genius. Yeah, of course. Uh, but what's disturbing you? Well, I've got to tell her that she's a duplicate ten years later. Well, she can cope with that. What's bothering you? It shows? Mm. It shows, my friend. I, uh... I remember that story about the statue that came to life. Pygmalion, yes. it was just a statue I wanted to bring back to life for Johnny Clark. And now she's alive again. And she's only for Johnny. Only. But when I... When I saw her alive, I... (sighs) It's crazy. I saw dozens so much like her when Johnny was on the search for a duplicate. Why did I fall for one of them? What's happening to me? No, we both know. But that is not the question. The question is, what are you going to do? Be a friend to both of them and get them together for the happy ending. What else can I do? Yeah. And it was the toughest fight of my life on the ship to Ross Alpha, where old Johnny was making big D decisions. She was so warm and grateful to me.
2: I was talking to some of the passengers. You're famous, aren't you? Uh,
1: More notorious-like. But Johnny's famous. He's the great man.
2: It's all been so sudden. I've been bewildered and so excited that I haven't had a chance to thank you for all you've done for me and my Johnny. I'm beholden to you forever. Forget it. Well, I've got to thank you somehow.
1: Now, forget it. You're on your way to see Johnny again. That's all that matters.
2: Are you going to stand there like an all-out champion? The former. And take a punch from me? Too late. The bell sounded. I fight dirty. Here's a grateful punch on the mouth.
1: No, no Seema. Seema, oh. stop it. I, please, you, you don't know what you're doing. You're, look, you're so crazy happy at the idea of being with your Johnny again. You, no, please, save, save your punches for him. down on Ross Alpha with one girl in good condition and me a wreck. And damned if I wasn't met by Aldous Fisher and old man Bruxton, who was chairman of the Migration Authority. Mr. Falcon, it has been brought to my attention by Mr. Fisher that you have arrived here on Ross Alpha accompanied by a young woman. Yeah. She's in the powder lounge getting prettied up for a fella. She is of illegal status. (laughs) Oh? How would Mr. Fisher know? You... All oh, I've had you followed ever since you left. Why? The contract was canceled. Did you think I would let it go at that? Mr. Fisher informs me that the young woman with you is traveling under an assumed name. Her migration papers are fraudulent. How fraudulent? She's Seema Morgan. Her papers say she's Seema Morgan. Seema Morgan died 11 years ago. The woman with you can't be Seema Morgan. And until the question of her identity can be resolved, she will not be permitted entry. I'll have documentation on Seema Morgan's death, Telex, within a week, Falcon. Oh, you don't know it, but you're making it easy for me, Fisher. The one thing in the world I'd like most is to get her out of here and never let Johnny see her and never let her see him. It's so crazy to keep her for myself. Look, withdraw your charge, Fisher. No. You can't keep him apart. Not this way. Suppose she's interned. Who's the first man I subpoenaed to establish her identity? John Clark. Who's the first man I called to come and see her? John Clark. You think you could stop him? I'll show him that contract. I'm showing Go her. ahead and show it to him. He wants his girl, not me. Withdraw your charge, Fisher. Stop fighting. You've lost your meal ticket. took Seema to the Ross Splendid Hotel, checked her into a suite, and went looking for Johnny Clock. First stop, the Bureau of Vital Statistics. And there he was, giving specs as usual. I want the name and address of every girl over 21 who fits the specifications I've just given you. I'll pay you 100 per name. Hey, Johnny. <laughs> Frankie. Frankie, where have you Ben, why, why why didn't you let me know you were coming? How long can you stay? I, I, I've missed Never you. Never I... mind that, Johnny, later. Right now, i got a tip for you. Huh? Coming over on the ship, I met a girl who kind of could fit your specs. Oh? She's got a kind of half-lisp. Yeah? And a funny way of tilting her head when she talks. She does? Only she's not girly-girly like most. She's more spunky-like. Oh, where is she? She's putting up at the Ross Blondie. Oh, I've got to see her, Frankie. I've got to. She sounds exactly... Can I see her? Sure, nothing easier. Come on, I'll lead the way. Yes? Who's that? Uh, it's me. All clear. Open up.
2: Just a minute.
1: Cheers, Johnny. I think you're going to find what you're looking for. I'll wait outside.
2: Did
1: you... Oh. Good evening. My uh, my name is Clark, John Clark. Uh, my friend, Frank Falcon, told me about you. You met coming over on the ship? No.
2: Oh,
1: You're not... But uh, he, he did tell you about me. We're old we're friends. Oh,
2: but just... you're not John Clark.
1: Yes, yes, I am. No, I... no, no, no. My
2: Johnny's young, my Johnny's sweet. You're not Johnny Clark. You're another man
1: who looks like him. Look, let uh, let me go. Let go of me. Are you my seamer? Are you my steamer? Don't. Let me feel you I'll hear you.
2: Don't. You're
1: not dead, are you? You're back to me, Sean. Go. No. 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 You're, you're not. You're not. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Please. I, I'll move on. I won't bother you again. So it's all mistake. You see, I make so many. Uh look, would um would a thousand square? Here. Here, take it. Now don't don't. Pass. I'm moving on. Seema. Are you? All right? She's not. She's not Seema Frankie. Nice try. And thanks. I'll get out. Sorry. Sorry, all a mistake. Oh,
2: Love, oh, you hold me, please, hold oh, me. I'm lost, I'm lost. I've got nobody but
1: you. No, you, you've got me, Seema. Oh. It's it's all right, love. The world's passed you by, you and your Johnny. But you've got me. And takes a step towards female Morgan and hesitates. He makes a last attempt to quench the love within him for this lovely lost creature, searching for a way to bring her and her Johnny clock together. Then he loses all control and takes the girl in his arms. the weeping girl in his arms, Frank Falcon thought. She doesn't know what she's doing. She's so frightened, so afraid of being lost. She's not mine. Not yet. Maybe never. And then, Aldous Fisher's won, and Johnny Clark's lost. Our cast included Michael Tolan, Ralph Bell, Evie Jester, Leon Janney, and Russell Horton. The entire production was under the direction of Hyman Brown. Radio Mystery Theater was sponsored in part by Anheuser-Busch Incorporated, brewers of Budweiser. This is E.G. Marshall inviting you to return to our mystery theater for another adventure in the macabre. Until next time, pleasant dreams.